Thank you for checking out the Life Church Utah podcast. We hope it's a blessing to you. If you'd like to give to Life Church, you can do so by texting the word LC Give to 43506. And now, a message from one of our pastors. So we're continuing our series uh, called Tough Talks, and uh, really grateful for last weekend uh, when Tyler Schwab was here from Operation Underground uh, Railroad, really, really challenging message and uh, kind of way that we can respond. If you did not have a chance to uh, make your way out to the blue bin that we have out there, uh, we do have some cards available that will tell you how we are participating to bring uh, kind of health and wholeness uh, to a group of, uh, of women who have been trafficked, who have been and rescued and are now part of the aftercare program through uh, Operation Underground Railroad. Very simple way for us to participate with that out there at the blue table or the blue, um, uh, blue bin. Make sure you make your way out there after service. Thank you already to the many who've already helped out and provided some of the care that we need, uh, but there uh, certainly is room for this weekend and next weekend if you would like to participate in that. We would love to have you uh, help us out and meet these needs. Uh, but we've been, um, you know, we talked about human trafficking last week. If you didn't see that, you can check it out on Facebook uh, or uh, check it out online uh, through lifechurchutah.com. We'd love to have you also connect there and uh, find out uh, what's happening here at the church. Uh, but uh, we talked about human trafficking and uh, so challenging. I don't know, I've talked to a number of people uh, this morning before service, just that were, before first service, that were just so moved by what uh, was shared last week and just pray praying and praying and praying for God uh, to bring a resolution to uh, such really uh, difficult circumstances for so many people and just uh, very moved by that. And uh, so was I and like, okay, Lord, what can we do? And so this is uh, one way we can uh, participate in that. But as we have these conversations, and today we're going to be talking about the, uh, the, the bigger, larger topic of mental health. Now, mental health is one of those things you, uh, that I can't remember the last time I, I d- dedicated a service to talking about mental health. Sometimes you refer to it a little bit in a service, but to kind of tackle it head on is really a tough talk because we in the church sometimes dismiss mental health illness and, or uh, mental illness and, and other health concerns like that because we'll do something like this. It's a very, very Christian thing to do. You've got a problem. You take it to Jesus, you pray over it, and then you walk out thinking that that is it and it's all done. Now, how many of you believe in a God who heals and a God of miracles? We sing about it, right? So I am, I am right there with you. But I also believe that when we pray that there's a partnership that happens that takes place between us and God, and often that same kind of partnership towards health and wholeness requires others to come alongside of us. And so when dealing with mental health, it's one of those things that's very close to my heart as well. I had, uh, um, I, as I've told my story a, a number of times and probably will still tell it for years to come, um, when I grew up, I had a tale of two, two, uh, two families really. First uh, 12 years of my life, 13 years, things were fantastic and very idyllic and uh, it was just wonderful, wonderful childhood. And then something changed about the time I was 13 and my dad began uh, really struggling with bipolar disorder. And I was taking medication for it. Alcoholism came into play and just kind of wrecked our family. Divorce happened and uh, splits happened, all of those things. And eventually in uh, 1998, my, my father took his own life. 
And so mental health concerns and issues have been one of those things that our family has dealt with uh, now for many, many, many years. And so there's, for me, a, a deep sense of compassion and, and, uh, and honestly, I mean, empathy there walking through some of those things and broken promises and the hurt and pain associated with those decisions. But the church, at least the churches I've been a part of, haven't really talked about this issue head on. And so I wanted to uh, take the opportunity uh, to talk about this. And I am not an expert. I'm not, I have experienced uh, kind of the backside of, of what uh, mental health and uh, those concerns uh, deal with. Uh, but I myself am not an expert in this field. And so how do we deal with it? Uh, how do we deal with this as a church? Like I mentioned, obviously, we believe that God heals. We believe that God in a moment can totally radically transform. Um, but I hope you understand that when it comes to mental health and if there's an illness involved or uh, addictions or things like that, um, that it's not just a spiritual thing, right? So mental health concerns and illnesses, those can be spiritual, there are times when uh, maybe you know the right thing to do, but you refuse to do it, and so you're disobedient. Uh, that can have a deep impact upon your mental well-being. But there's also a physical side to this. You know, there's a thing called sin, right, and brokenness, and it has, has uh, totally warped our humanity, and it's warped the image of God within us. And it has found its way into physical, right, we get broken, and oftentimes those external things we put band-aids on and we're able to kind of see that there's a problem, but the issue with mental health is it's generally internal and it shows up in our behaviors. And so we don't often know the way to put a band-aid on something that's internal. But there are physical things that happen to our brains when we get rewired, right? Right? Our brain, there can be chemical imbalances and there can be uh, insufficiencies. There are injuries that change physically what's happening in our minds. And so there's a physical component and a spiritual component when it comes to our mental health and our mental well-being. And uh, like I said earlier, as a church, we often, uh, we, we can say things uh, like this, and, and sometimes we mean well, but uh, this is one of them. Have you tried praying for God to take away your depression? No, I never thought about that. <laughs> of course, right? If you're a person of faith, of course that's where you turn. But for some reason, we assume that maybe somebody hasn't because they're dealing with it. Maybe their faith is wrong. Maybe they got something wrong in their life beyond that. Another one is uh, you wouldn't, and I've heard this one directly with our family, you wouldn't be feeling this way if you were actually surrendering your anxiety to the Lord. That's good. Throw it back on the hurting person. That's a perfect thing to do. Then the last one, which sounds really helpful on the surface, but can be uh, so damaging in many ways, and this one right here, God never gives you more than you can handle. Have you heard that one before? Anybody heard that one before? And you're in the middle of, you know, as, let's say uh, you know, you're a, a single mom, two kids or something like that, and you are at your wit's end, and you're like, God, where are you? This is way more than I can handle. So in the Bible, we, we are confronted with the reality that, um, that mental health seems to be, uh, while it's not mentioned directly in the Bible, certainly it's, it's in there in the concerns. You've got David and Job and Jonah and then Elijah as a perfect example of those who are facing depression, anxiety, loneliness, emotional responses to things that don't need emotional response. They're fighting through the very reality that many of us struggle with. 
Now, the great thing that I know about God, if you read the Word, the Bible says that God is close to the brokenhearted. Right? I mean, God is close to those who are hurting. And so we know in the midst of our struggles, whether they be physical or whether they be uh, mental and emotional uh, or even spiritual, we know that God is with us. And especially in our teenage world that we have around us, the pressures that are put on our teenagers and, um, boy, the percentage of the number of students that identify as having a, a mental, uh, mental health ish, issue or illness is on the rise. The pressures that are there, we see that, we feel it. And so we as the church need to be able to talk about this so that we can begin to find answers. Now, today as we go through this, we've got a special guest I'll introduce in just a moment. As we go through this, uh, we're not going to graduate from a class this morning and be experts on mental health. Although that would be fantastic. <laughs> that would be great if all of a sudden we just knew everything there was to know. But hopefully by the end of today, you're going to have some new tools in your tool chest uh, to be able to answer either yourself or to be able to help those that are around you that are also struggling with mental illness or mental health conditions. So without further ado, what I'd like to do is introduce to you, and could we please give a very warm Life Church welcome to Jennifer Squire from the Center, from the Center for Christian Therapy. And uh, go ahead and have a seat, Jennifer, and we'll begin a conversation here okay. and uh, get to sit down. This ah, is nice. Start doing this every Sunday. <laughs> Sit down and, yeah, that'd be great. All right. Um, so, uh, so, Jennifer, why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself, about your family, and kind of a little bit of your experience uh, being here in Utah and uh, what you're currently doing. So, okay. Yeah. Well, I'm from Kansas originally, but I've been in Utah for... Kansas. I know. No, <laughs> since I was, no cheers for Kansas. I know. <laughs> since I was 11, I moved here with my mom and stepdad, and um, my parents were... 18 when I was born. So they were fairly young and they had a lot to figure out. Yep. And my mom, bless her heart and her effort to be a good mom. She really, I remember her telling me, I think it's really important that kids see their parents fighting. So they just know that it's normal. So I got a lot of exposure to that. <laughs> <laughs> and in spite of my best efforts, they got a divorce mm. when they were seven. I say my best efforts because I really tried to keep them together. Yeah. But um, I didn't, I wasn't a very good marriage counselor at seven. Anyway, um, and then they both got remarried pretty quickly and those marriages were actually worse. And I mean, they've healed a lot now and they're better, but, um, then that was like during the eighties. And I don't know if you remember Dallas, the show Dallas, you know, who, who shot JR. Anybody yes. Remember that? Yes. Huh? That was one of my favorites, and um, my parents really liked As the World Turns, so every night we were watching soap operas, and between my parents' relationships and the soap opera dramas, that was my beginning of relationship wow. um, education. Oh, my goodness. And so, <laughs> anyway, when so, I... So, you're yeah. saying you had a really firm foundation. I did, I did. I understood okay, good, a good, lot, good. <laughs> and um, so by the time I was 12, I was really ready. I knew I needed something, some meaning and some healing. And so um, just thankfully, God brought me to a pastor at a camp who really introduced me to Christ, told me the gospel. I was so ready for it. I wanted to be close to God. And I really, I took a tract home with me and then prayed the prayer to receive wow. Christ. And I also met my husband at that camp. Um, well, I was 
like at church, but he was at the camp too. And so um, then we got married after college. I've been married 22 years and we have four kids, um, two of whom are adopted. And I started the practice um, Center for Christian Therapy 13 years ago. And we have six therapists. We have we do lots of kinds of therapy, play therapy, adolescent therapy, family therapy. There's men's group therapy and adoption groups. And um, I just am really, you know, I look back over the years and I can see decisions that I made that I didn't know how they were going to affect my life. But I like that verse, Proverbs 16, 3 says, commit everything you do to the Lord and he will establish your plans. And I've been thinking about that lately and how um, over those years when I was a Christian, I would make decisions really praying and seeking God, not knowing how they'd end up. But now looking back, I can see, wow, he really like had a plan Mm -hmm. and he was really working things out. Now here I am with this agency. It's really fun. I do marriage counseling and I parent and that's pretty much what I do. Oh, that's great. Now you mentioned there, it really caught my attention. I mean, I'm 49 years old Mm -hmm. and you mentioned play therapy. Sand tray yeah, is really I'm great. Thinking that's pretty. Yeah. Anybody like play therapy? I'm yeah. like, oh, I'm a fan of that. I think I would do. I'd do really well at that. That'd be great. Um, so we uh, recognize that um, when it comes to mental health issues, there, there's really two two things that are at work here. No, number one is the the individual who who is recognizing within themselves a brokenness, mm-hmm. right? They're 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 recognizing I'm. I'm not making consistent decisions. I'm struggling. So what are some of the maybe internal warning signs for an individual to go, I really need to get some help? And then how do they go about getting help when maybe they feel like they don't want to ask for help or something like that? Yeah. Well, first of all, when you say mental health, I think in pretty broad terms um, because there's a lot of um, symptoms that people have that are like cues to you, red flags that something's not right. Um, So those are things like um, they do encompass mood disorders, right? If you are having trouble with anxiety, panic attacks, depressed mood, or, you know, volatility. But they also, um, you know, we think about when people come in, I look for their relationship capacity to really empathize or connect or be nurturing as a parent, and um, all of us kind of struggle in some of these areas. So really, mental health, I think, describes how well you're able to learn, connect with others, and um, really relate. I mean, even spiritually, it, yeah. it, um, we can see mental health affects how you view God and how you're able to view God. So there's lots of warning signs. If you have things like um, addictions, if you're dealing with stress by escaping, whether it's through um, like pornography or drinking or eating or anything that helps you escape from dealing with life, that that would be a symptom for us that you need some help. Um, Relationships that are falling apart or people in your life that are really uh, reacting to you is another symptom that you probably need to work on some things. Mm -hmm. So, um, but getting help, that's another, you know, real struggle. Like my son the other day, he's 11. I think he said it best. He's struggling with math and temper. 
And um, in combination, math <laughs> yes, and math and a temper. <laughs> so I, I was trying to help him. He didn't want any help from me. And so I was bringing him to this tutor, and we're in the car. He's like, I don't want help. I feel so stupid. And I thought that was a great, I can guarantee you, I have never told him he's stupid for yeah. needing help, right? This is not what I do. He just came up with that one on his own. And I think we all feel that way. It is so hard to ask for help. And I was about to give him a lecture about how important it was to get help. And then I realized, you know, I told him, I feel the same way. I hate asking for help. Yep. And I hate it when I need it. And I do feel stupid, too. And so I think this is so important that we all understand we're all on the same page here. Everyone needs it, and everyone struggles to find it. Um, I like uh, Isaiah 41.10 says, Do not fear, for I am with you. Do not be dismayed, for I am your God. I will, help, I will strengthen you, help you, and uphold you with your, my righteous right hand. And I like that verse because it not only tells us about God, and the hope that we have, but it tells us about our own need. Yeah. You know, it, it's not just we need relief, but if God's offering holding and help and his presence, we must need that. Yeah. He knows us better than we know ourselves, really. And so if you are in that camp where you feel like, wow, I've struggled with this for a long time and still every day I'm struggling you are not alone. That is how we all feel because we are made to depend on God and depend on each other. Yep. And so every day you probably are still not overcoming something yep. and are going to need some help. And so um, I encourage people when they pray, really, sometimes God provides in different ways, lots of different ways. And so I really think he does answer mm -hmm. our prayers, but... I am sure that if you're suffering, you have prayed yeah. and you have just barely enough faith to pray. I don't know about you, but that's that's sometimes that's the only amount of faith I have. I don't know what I'm looking for. I'm just like, I have enough faith to cry out. Right. And um, I really believe, though, I've seen over the time that God provides. It's just not usually how I think it is supposed to be. Mm -hmm. So recently, he's, you know, he's provided a miracle in my family through medication um, for one of my sons, it is like we are experiencing a miracle. Mm -hmm. But with other people and my family, medication has not been helpful. Or other people have experienced help through therapy. Or I see it through like, you know, you see growth through a book. Mm -hmm. Or maybe just a really good friend being there. But asking for help and then watching for how God provides in a total myriad of different ways is so important, I think, in getting help and not giving up yep. because so many times what we try just doesn't work. And then we have to ask for it again and again and again. And you have to keep being humble every day. Mm -hmm. So, yep, yep. absolutely. Absolutely. Um, and so then the, the other side of this is when, um, when, we are watching a friend or a family member or a, a loved one walk into a dark place through decisions or through uh, just circumstances of life and they can't seem to pull themselves out like they used to and we maybe see some of these warning signs. How do we talk to somebody that is in that condition or somebody who's in that place where they're hurt and vulnerable and find themselves kind of trapped 
we see it, how do we constructively talk to them with care and compassion and, and all of that? Yeah. Well, I, th I think that's kind of a complex issue. There's a few <laughs> thoughts I have about it. One is um, we all struggle to tell ourselves the truth. Social scientists say that your colleagues are twice as likely to be accurate describing your personality as you are. So we are just kind of fragile and we like to protect ourselves and so we mask our own faults to ourselves. And so if you need help finding the truth, I'd encourage you to be open to people who, are, um, who care about you mm -hmm. and but will tell you the truth. And oftentimes our loved ones are actually not the best people to tell us the mm -hmm. truth because they, um, they have an interest in protecting you as well. And so sometimes it's hard for loved ones to even see what's going on. You need somebody oftentimes outside of your family to really find some truth. Mm -hmm. So um, I, I would encourage you to remember that. You need somebody to tell you the truth. It, you can't always, as a loved one, be the person to tell the truth. You sometimes need some support. But then I have a few thoughts about how to provide support for somebody. I liked the, um, the acronym... R, A-R-E, because it helps me remember what it means to truly be a support. Um, a stands for available, and I'd encourage all of us to think about and really ask ourselves if we are available to the loved ones in our life. Do we, are we distracted by a lot of stuff, by our phones or by our own worries? Can you be available to somebody who wants to talk to you? Yeah. Because most oftentimes when I see a person and it's very obvious to me they're struggling with something and not being honest with themselves, they've got to talk for a little while before they can kind of find it. So if you're able, to, if you're available, sometimes that empowers you. It gives you a place in their life to give them truth. Um, R stands for responsive. And so I encourage people to really think about their ability to empathically respond um, if you think, if you are familiar with the story of Naomi and Ruth, there's a place in that story where Naomi is just crying out, and her theology is maybe not the best. She's like, God is punishing me, and she's so bitter, and she's like, how can I be happy when, you know, I have all of this? And, and Ruth does not lecture her about her, her, like, lies that she's believing. She, it says she weeps with her. Yeah. And when we're responsive, when we feel with people, it takes away some of the shame that they feel because they're struggling. Brene Brown has a quote that says, if shame is in a Petri dish, silence, judgment, and isolation make it grow, but empathy makes it like, I can't remember what she says. It, you know, takes it away. So your empathy, your empathy your ability to respond by feeling with somebody takes away the shame and unblocks them so that they can learn and grow and, and really receive the truth. And then the third E in that acronym stands for engaged. And sometimes it's the hardest part because it usually requires some sacrifice. Yep. Um, I When we adopted our fourth child, he was, um, he was almost five when he came home and he had some major difficulties physically, emotionally. And then he taught us all in our family that we also had some 
difficulties because <laughs> we all started reacting to each other in really negative ways. And I was not really the best parent. And I had a friend, Jill Johnson, who's here today, um, who when we were preparing to adopt him, she was like asking me, what do you guys need? I want to be supportive, you know, but I don't really like asking for help. Like I already said, I am just not a person who even remembers that I want comfort and help. How many of you have, have trouble asking for help? But you <laughs> want to raise your hand, right? Okay, you know the feeling. I'm, I don't only can't ask for it. I don't even know what I need, right? Because I'm so used to not needing things. And so I told her, I'm like, well, you can pray for me. I don't know. And so she did her own research. She asked around. She kind of talked to other people, adoptive parents, to figure out what I needed. And um, she showed up for me when I was really struggling. Like every day we were struggling to just get through the day without temper tantrums and losing my mind. So she would come once a week for about a year and take my boys to the park and really, there's no other friend that I have that would do that for me, you know. That, and I don't even know that I'm that kind of friend oftentimes um, to really get to know my children enough that she could cope with them and to not judge me for parenting that wasn't always great and um, allow me just time to be with my girls who are really nice and compliant and they needed a break too. <laughs> so anyway, that, that engaged part is really a challenge to all of us that and you can't be engaged with everybody like I can be engaged with my family and maybe a couple other friends but if we're all willing to do that for each other it it provides such hope and we can actually get help if we have that awareness that wow when somebody needs us it's going to require more than prayer probably yep, yep yep absolutely so what what are the are again one more time available responsive and engaged. All right. That's how to support each other. That's great. And you know, and those are, I mean, that's a, a super simple way to remember how we should do these kind of things. Because it's really easy. I don't know if you've ever found this before. It's really easy to point out other people's faults. Anybody do that really well? <laughs> right? Very easy to point out other people's faults and say, hey, you need, you need to get help. You need, this is a problem in your life. But for you then to say, and I'm going to walk with you so that you can be healed, that's an incredibly freeing moment in your relationship. And then also for them uh, to, to recognize, especially in a Christian setting, right, when we believe Jesus uh, you know, came down to earth in the flesh for us, man, to be that enfleshed Jesus for the people around you and walk in life with them uh, is, is absolutely beautiful. When you were talking, I, I was reminded of um, the point when, uh, in I think it's John chapter 10 and 11, story of Lazarus, and uh, the, the shortest verse in the Bible for some people is the most powerful verse in the Bible. I think it's the shortest, or one of, one of the shortest. It says, Jesus wept. So if you want to memorize, it's John, I think, 1135 or 1035. Uh, Jesus wept. You just memorized a great scripture in the Bible. Um, but with that is Jesus was there with the family in the midst of their heartache and brokenness and hurt. And Jesus was there identifying and, uh, empathetically with them, stayed with the family for a seat, you know, was there with them. And uh, just a beautiful expression that, once again, God is close to the brokenhearted, isn't he? And uh, have you ever been brokenhearted in your life? <laughs> right? And the Bible says God is close to the brokenhearted. Um, so one of the... Uh, 
can you talk a little bit, because I, I think there's at times a disconnect generationally for the need and even the, uh, the openness to receive help from a counselor or a therapist or something like that. Um, I'm 49 years of age, and when I grew up in the church, um, uh, certainly you know, from ages like 16 on, counselors were seen as suspect, that it was human wisdom and human philosophy that was helping you out, and so therefore it wasn't God helping you out, and so let's not get counselors. And uh, that's obviously pretty simplistic, you know, in, in the way I'm, I'm looking at that right then. But it seems that there's a, a corner turn. Can you maybe explain, uh, maybe to take some of the stigma off of uh, needing and desiring and maybe taking advantage of a counselor to maybe help out in a season of life when maybe you don't even think you necessarily need it. How, what can a counselor do to help, especially a Christian uh, counselor? Yeah. Well, I think the first part is walking humbly like you already talked about yeah. and being willing to admit that you need help. That's yeah. probably one of the most significant blocks. But just to sort of um, address what counseling is, um, I, I do know that for the church a lot of times there is a fear and a real... Um, just a, a some sometimes it's based in reality there is a lot of science that is very demeaning towards religion and anti-god and so i have to admit that that some of our authors that have established a lot of psychological um viewpoints are not honoring god and really see religion as a crutch so there is that part that makes us all suspect of counseling however we have learned a lot through science about how our minds and emotions and relationships function. And so um, for me, after I studied for a long time in secular world, had some secular uh, supervision, but it was really quality therapists. It taught me a lot. Then I also had to kind of step away from that and, and try to integrate what was so foundational for me, which is God is... God has to be the center of all this yeah, healing. Sure. We have to be honoring him and developing our relationship with him. And so I, I think it's hard to find sometimes, but there are a lot of therapists who are able to both really find um, healing in biblical truth and understand some of what science teaches us about how our brains work, mm -hmm. how relationships happen, where our dysfunction comes from. And there's a lot of value in that. You know, I, I studied this. I've, I mean, I graduated with my master's in 2000. I've been working since, for the last 20 years trying to understand how to help people and marriages work. And yeah. so counseling, is it really provides a place for you to, I mean, in its ideal form, for you to be accepted and not judged so you have space to really think about the truth about yourself because everybody needs a little space to find that. And a person that can come alongside you that knows, that hopefully has understood, has studied a lot. And so I think I tell people that therapy, finding a therapist is a little bit challenging. Mm -hmm. It takes some, sometimes multiple efforts to find a good fit for you, but it is worth it. Finding a good therapist can really help you transform and unblock some things that that you might have been struggling with for years. Yep. And just going to a counselor doesn't mean that you are broken, <laughs> by the way. Uh, going to a counselor can, can certainly mean, hey, I just want to become a better me. 
right? And certainly when it's grounded in faith and grounded in biblical truth, uh, that is a, a fantastic way uh, to, uh, to continue to grow in the Lord and be discipled uh, in that. One of the things you had mentioned uh, before when you and I talked a couple of months ago was uh, if you don't know your story, you're bound to repeat that story. And uh, there are times when we repeat that brokenness uh, with our relationships, we repeat the brokenness with our family, the way that we respond in anger or uh, outrage or whatever that might be, um, unless we begin to understand our story and what uh, kind of wrote the chapters in our life when we were younger and then how do we uh, navigate those as an adult, um, it's really important to be able to get to the bottom of what our story is so that we can, uh, we can be healthy. I think of, uh, there, there's a time, I didn't share this first service, but um, I remember once, uh, one time in my life when I lost my temper. Um, <laughs> and uh, I was with my kids because I'm sure they were doing something and I was in the right. But I, I remember... You know, I'm driving, and I'm, I'm just, you know, one of those moments driving down the road, but uh, they talk about cell phones being distracting and putting on makeup, which I don't do in the car. Um, the, well, I don't do ever, but I don't do in the car especially. Um, but, uh, you know, distracting is having kids in the car. They need to have, like, the limo thing where, like, the, you can block it and whatever they do back there, yeah, that's fine, just go for it. Um, but I remember, you know, leaning back, you're driving, like, stop, and, you know, yelling at the kids and, you know, kind of grabbing the legs and all, any. Am I the only one that's done that? Okay, good. Yeah, all right, okay. So, and then realizing in that moment that was a broken response, and there's much better ways to do that. I wish I'd have had your wisdom and not respond to your son the, the way that you thought you would, but go, I'm going to be more helpful. And so taking that moment to then apologize pretty quickly. Okay, kids, just, you know, I kind of overreacted. I learned from your mom, you know, and all that stuff. So... <laughs> Shelly's not in here right now, so I can say that. She's helping with the children back there, so uh, no. She, yeah, don't tell her I said that. Please, I'm going to get in major trouble because it's not true. It's not true. Um, so uh, ta speaking of parenting, right, and uh, here as we, uh, we kind of wrap up here, uh, parenting is difficult, right? I mean, I, I think all of us would, anybody, parenting's difficult, and every one of your chi children, if you've had multiple children, every one of them is different. And whatever you learned with your first one, you have to unlearn to relearn for your second one because they don't respond the same way. So for parents who already feel like they came from, I mean, the example is you, came from a broken circumstance. Now they're trying to raise children of their own. How, anything you can tell them mm -hmm. to help them understand that, you know, in all of this process of finding hope and help and all of that, uh, as a parent, that um, the, the struggles that they face are real, but wh where can they find some help and how can they succeed as parents? Well, I think of one um, quote by Karen Purvis. She's a, a parenting, Christian parenting expert who unfortunately died a couple of years ago, but she's got a ton of information and books. She says, it's better to err and repair than never to err at all, which yeah. was a real comfort to me. Because I know that I'm erring a lot, and I see that, you know, play out with my kids. That when I make a mistake, but then we repair it by like talking, validating, understanding, and learning, it is incredibly bonding and security building. So I, it might be slightly overstated because it would be great if I was perfect, but unfortunately I'm not. And so I would say that your ability to learn is super important as a parent, you know, to be able to go every day, oh, I'm failing here. I need to get some help in this way, whether it's through a book or advice or the Bible, mm -hmm. you know, 
we just really all need to keep growing and stay humble in our families. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Um, so here's, uh, as, we, uh, as we close out, um, well, I'm going to invite our worship team to go ahead and come on up here as uh, we are ending this time together. Uh, Jennifer, thank you so much uh, for being here with us. Can we uh, thank Jennifer for, uh, for being here with us? Thank you so much. So as we, uh, as we close out here, I really hope that, um, that we begin to recognize that uh, you know, mental health is complicated. There's, there's not an easy answer towards any of this. If there was an easy answer, somebody would have already written the book, and then that book would be closed, and we would have all of the answers. We are complicated people. There's emotions in our spiritual life and our physical life. and I mean, all of those things tie in together. And we, as the people of God, have faith tied into that. And so we recognize that God is a God who wants us to be healthy. God wants us to be whole. He wants us to flourish in that faith. I'm going to invite us to stand to our feet here as, we are, uh, as we're going to be closing out. And bow your heads for just a moment. So you are here this morning, and we, we kind of broke uh, some of what we talked about into two different, two different avenues. Number one is that you are here this morning and you recognize a brokenness in you that's dealing with this issue of mental health. You recognize within you that there have been just some disconnects in the way that you have responded. Uh, maybe you don't typically respond in anger, but all of a sudden anger is the way that you are responding when, when people uh, begin pushing against you or circumstances where you would not normally respond that way. And all of a sudden, it just is not making sense to you. And you're going, something is broken in me and I have not shared that with anybody. I'm holding on to it. I feel isolated. I feel separate from but I know that I need, first of all, to admit to God, first and foremost, that, Lord, I'm in a position of brokenness, and, Jesus, I need you to be with me uh, desperately in my life. Every head bowed, every close for a moment, just kind of in this private moment. If that's you this morning, and you'd say, Pastor, that, that, that is me. I'm kind of in this broken state, and, and I'm recognizing some uh, some unhealthiness in my mental life, and I just need God to begin to work in my life. If that's you, can you lift up your hand really quickly? Thank you. Many hands up. Many hands up. Thank you. Thanks for your honesty and that transparency. Amen. And then secondly, you're going to put your hands down. Secondly, there are those of you who are here today, and you have a loved one, a co-worker, a friend, a neighbor, somebody who you are seeing destructive patterns in their life, where it appears, and I know you're not diagnosing, but it appears that there is something going on in their mental health uh, that is leading them to a dark place. And you're seeing it, you're recognizing it, maybe you even had some, some side conversations about it, but you realize now you need the wisdom of Christ to be able to broach this subject with them and with uh, some of the helps that uh, Jennifer gave and to begin to come alongside of them and especially that engage part, right? To be responsive to them and, and engage with them to begin helping them towards health. And you'd say, I just need wisdom from God to know how to take those next steps. If that's you, can you lift your hand really quickly? 
Thank you, thank you. I think, I mean, that pretty much covers everybody, uh, covers everybody this morning. And so why don't you join me in prayer? Because I believe God can heal, right? And so those of you who are here uh, and, and are facing some, some of your own mental health conditions and you're saying, I've prayed about it before, I'm going to invite you to pray again and let's see that God can do miraculous things. But upon leaving here today, we recognize that a partnership is formed between us and God. And God will bring the right people alongside, the right organizations to come alongside of you to bring you to a position of health. Uh, because I believe God's going to be able to work through those things. And I think that God's going to give you wisdom as well uh, for those who are seeking ways to help your friends, your family members, your loved ones. And so let's pray together. We pray that today's message is a blessing to you. For more information about Life Church, check us out at lifechurchutah.com.